Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. How's it going, Rangers and overall hockey fans? Thank you guys so much for chiming in. This is episode eight. Pardon me, I was going to say 80 for whatever reason. 56 of Rangers Review. Myself, Wardy, alongside Statboy Steven. Yes, Steven's here. He was able to make it this time. Uh, not going to harp on it too much. Wasn't able to chime in last episode because of just a really stupid phone call that you had to deal with. But thankfully, it looks like that, you know, that's no longer a worry. And we got a lot of talk about, a lot of positives. I'm on cloud nine right now. Can't get over last night, not only for the Rangers, but for my Mets too. It's been a whirlwind of 24 hours here in New York sports, but all in a positive way. So we got a lot of fun to break down as we'll be breaking down the past two games for the New York Rangers as they won and lost a game so far, splitting the series against the Pittsburgh Penguins. And now the Rangers look ahead this Saturday for game three and beyond. And we'll be breaking down all of our initial reactions to these first two games, along with answering some comments before we wrap up the show here as we are live on YouTube. So make sure to subscribe to the channel. If you're listening, wherever you get your podcasts, you would like to have your comments heard. I would say try to watch it on YouTube when you can, but no less a lot of breakdowns, Steven, but more than anything else, how are you doing today? Good, good. Uh, glad it's a weekend. Um, Super glad that the Rangers didn't go to overtime again. Yeah, last night. Um, Grateful for that too. I think. I think Tuesday. Oof, it brought back memories to 2012 Tuesday. Um, that game against the Washington Capitals, where Gabrick scored in triple overtime. That that game on Tuesday brought back memories to that game. That's what um, I was, Stephen. When that game, we'll, we'll be breaking down here in a second. But that's all that was in my mind because that was my first like true ranger memory like that was mm -hmm. the first year i followed them every single game and when that triple ot did i did a paper on that in my seventh grade english class too like that's a lot so i was getting those same feelings oh. again but unfortunately that is not yeah. how game one ended up turning but, out yeah look um prior to last night the most saves a goalie had made in the first and second playoff games combined was Gump Worsley in 1962 with 105. Igor Shashjorkin in the first two games combined 118. Um, that triple overtime game, it was the third triple overtime game the Rangers ever played. They played one with Eddie Giacomin, who had 24 saves in triple overtime. One in 2012, uh, the Capitals game with Lundqvist in that um, with 45. Um, and then just Jorkin with 79 saves, 79 saves. Lundqvist, only, only 79, Steven. Not that's a big deal or anything, you know. Lundqvist and Jokomin in their triple overtime games combined for 69 saves. Just Jorkin on his own at 79. What uh, it's so hilarious to me that there are people out there that have the audacity to try to say that Igor is not the best goaltender in the league. And the fact that we could not even get this man a victory is what pissed me off more than anything beyond belief. Don't get me wrong. The Rangers deserve that victory. We all know what happened there. The third that we'll be talking about shortly. But when it came to overall performances, that man, that is probably, if not the best goaltending performance I've ever witnessed as a Rangers fan. If not, it is definitely up there in like my top two or three. Yeah. I mean, I saw both. an article titled, The Penguins Have Finally Figured Out Igor Shashjorkin. 
No, you haven't. No, you haven't. <laughs> Fuck no. out of here with that no. noise. They didn't figure out shit. Get out of here. Shots on goals to score four times. Igor Shishjorkin, this is how crazy that night was. Igor Shishjorkin conceded four goals and still had a save percentage of 0.952. Absolutely, absolutely insane. Um, yeah, like, let's get into it. That first game. Let's get into it. Yep. Let's break to everything on the first game, Stephen. I'll lead it away and then I'll share all my thoughts after you broke it down. First period, amazing. Second period, disaster. Jack Third period, Hyde. slight recovery where the Rangers were robbed of a regulation win with that heel goal that was disallowed. Um, but look, we can bitch about and complain about the referees all we want. I'm going to say this. If you cannot score more than three goals in six periods of hockey against Casey DeSmith and Louis Domingue, you have no right to complain about referees. When you play a playoff game at home and you go up against two third string goalies for six periods and you come away with one even strength goal, I don't care how bad the referees were. I mean, that's that's on the team. The Rangers... I would say it's on the team for the loss in the end, but at the same time, Louis Domaine wouldn't have even happened if they just got the goal that should have been allowed there in the third. Yeah, okay, so let's take that out of the equation. Let's look at regulation, right? First okay. three periods. 60 yeah. periods of hockey against Casey DeSmith. Yep. Casey DeSmith is like Keith Kincaid level. And yep. you only score one goal at even strength. And Remember at the start of the season, we complained about how the Rangers struggled to score at even strength? That problem was back on Tuesday. Yeah, Kreider scores shorthanded. It's great. You know, no one's happier than, than I am to see Chris Kreider score another shorthanded goal. You get a power play goal, Adam Fox, uh, who had not scored a power play goal this season yet. I know. Isn't that hilarious how he somehow, some way scores in the first game of the playoffs for the Rangers, but he Pretty can't crazy. do it at all in the regular season on the power play? Pretty crazy. But uh, look, that game, it should never have gone to overtime, and I'm not talking about the referee's decision. The Rangers should have put this away long before that goal by Hedl was uh, was called back. There was just There's just no excuse. You know, you go up against the Penguins at home with Casey DeSmith in goal. I expect five goals. Simple. Um, the Rangers couldn't get five. It is what it is. Um, Rangers lose game one. It's frustrating. What was even um, more frustrating outside of the loss because of the absolute dog shit? Part of my French, you're gonna see, you're gonna hear a lot of cursing in this one. I, I'm just telling you guys in advance that I mean, for them to lose the way that they did. Uh, for it to be as grueling as it was through three overtimes, you know, shades of that Gabrick OT winner against the Caps a decade ago. Fortunately, it wasn't on our side this time. And that piss poor officiating. However, there obviously were bright spots in that game. And they would carry over into game two, especially. Oh, no, hold, you know, on, hold on. One final thing about game one here. Yeah. You have, you have a two-goal lead into the second period. Oh, you absolutely, you absolutely blew it. I mean, the pen, the pens pistol whipped 
the Rangers in that second period. The Pens had 25 shots in mm-hmm. the second period at least, um, and they just dominated us the entire period. It took the Penguins one minute and 14 seconds to score after the Andrew Kopp goal, and it took them one minute and 13 seconds to score after the Chris Kreider goal. They were doing their best Rangers impression in the sense when of resilience. When you score a goal, you cannot afford to lean back in the playoffs. You cannot afford to sit back and defend the lead. You need to, and Frank Vertrano said this yesterday after the, after the second period, second intermission, we need to put them on their heels. We need to keep the pressure on. And they didn't do that on Tuesday. That's why they lost. Yep. It is that simple. Yeah, yeah, sure. sure. Gensel scores twice. Um, uh, Crosby was insane. That Crosby-Gensel-Rust line, by the way, we need to figure something out. But, um, yeah, the second game, much better. Um, we were without Goudreau, without Lindgren. Um, Penguins they were, were without old. Raquel or yeah. Smith, and Casey DeSmith is actually out for the, you know, remainder playoffs because he yeah. just had surgery today. So it'll be and, a little uh, bit the, the, the starting goalie, Tristan Jari, is, wasn't even practicing on the ice yesterday. So who knows yeah. how long he will be out still. Probably at um, minimum this entire series. Yeah, but the Rangers start strong. Andrew Kopp with a second of the playoffs, you know, assisted by Panarin and Braun, who, you know, chips in. Didn't play the first game, but the second game he's in and he gets an assist. Uh, unfortunately, you know, only two minutes later, Gensel ties it up. It's same old story. But then the second period, things change. You know, Strome with the deflection on the power play makes it makes it 2-1. And then Kreider from Vetrano and Miller makes it 3-1. And finally, I was like, okay, we have a two-goal lead. Let's see it out. You know, let's get the second intermission. And it wasn't meant to be. Crosby, 3-2, with a minute and, and 26 seconds to go into this, in, in the second period. Again, it was so frustrating. But that third period, the first couple of minutes, the Penguins were all over us, and it didn't look good. And I was like, if the Penguins score here, we're done. Um, but they weather the storm. Panarin makes it 4-2, and then Fatrano with a great snipe, makes it 5-2. This might be the closest 5-2 win the Rangers have had in years. Yeah, it was it was five two, but it wasn't a blowout. Yeah. If that makes no, sense. No, it. You know what it reminded me of. Uh, uh, and sorry for bringing this up, Ranger fans. This reminded me of the 2014 Stanley Cup final. The Rangers lost that series in five games, four to one. And when people look at that, they think, "Oh, it wasn't close," but it was. Every that single series, game was a grind, and the Rangers had leads in at least two of those games. Yeah. That series was a lot closer than the scoreline indicates. And and last night's game was no different. Yeah. The Rangers win 5-2, yes, but man, it was a lot closer than that. And then of and... course, at the end, you know, Jeff Jeff Carter runs into Igor Shesturkin. It's down three goals with two minutes to go. There was no reason other than to spark something for Jeff Carter to do that. I have no doubt that that was intentional. Um, I'm shocked that we even got a power play out of it. So, I um, was a little surprised that we got a power play out of it too, just because of how the how the trend of the obvious officiating has been so far this series. Mm-hmm. And what's even more baffling me about that is the fact that you know normally you see in playoffs, obviously officiating is different, right? They they are going to bite their tongue when blowing the whistle a lot more. But 
especially at home, normally more often than not, you see a slight advantage a lot of times with teams. But no, the Rangers had the refs against them more, more than I could even begin to tell you. Everyone that's been watching those first two games knows damn well it goes far beyond just what we saw transpire in game one with the game, with the goal being turned away after, of course, it, it doesn't take a rock science to figure that one out, that it, it was a proper goal for the Rangers. And I will stand by that with how he was out of the crease. So, yeah. And, you know, uh, yeah, this game, I, I'm I'm so happy we won. But, you know, what the biggest takeaway from, from last night's game is for me, how well Braden Schneider and Keandre Miller played. Oh, my God. And uh, the fact that Keandre, Keen, we need to give like a round of applause for Keandre or something. I mean, he, before our eyes, in a pretty short period of time, in the sense of especially over the past couple of months, his game has just taken new heights for this Rangers team. He looks, this is by far the best hockey he's played so far in his career. He looks so composed, so balanced, doesn't matter who's matching up against. He's shutting them down, and he's bringing that offensive production too. And Schneider's doing Schneider things. I mean, I'm just so happy that, and this is what I told you so long throughout the season, Stephen, how, you know, even though that there were definitely games where I want Schneider in or someone else, another young defenseman that wasn't getting playing time, I appreciate the fact that Galan actually was making note of how the guys were performing and wasn't just throwing them in every single day because of the fact that they were, say, a veteran. You know, that's the Elaine Vigneault-type mentality. That's the David Quinn-type mentality. But no, with Galan, even though that he has been perfect by it means no coach has been perfect, you can tell that he is really zoning in. He's adjusting on really a game-by-game basis. And especially down the stretch here, you can tell the comfortability with Schneider has been at an all-time high. And now that's proving right, especially in the biggest stage of them all, that being an NHL playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, um, those two guys on defense, I mean, Schneider looks Schneider looks ready. Yeah, Schneider, Schneider looks better in the playoffs than he does in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, Miller is probably our best defenseman. I know Adam Fox, you know, offensively chips in a lot. But when I'm talking, when you talk about defense, I don't think anyone on the blue line has had the impact that Miller has had so far defensively. And, you know, I've been very critical of Miller throughout the season, especially early on. Yep. Um, the offense was always there. And I've, I've always said the defense needs to be better. Defensively, he's just not there. You know, his positioning is not great. Uh, he doesn't use the poke check effectively. But now, man, he he just toys with opponents. And these are – I'm not talking about fourth-line players. You know, he's, he's toying with Evgeny Malkin. It's unreal. It's unreal to see this. You know, the last time I saw a defenseman who was this zoned in defensively was Mark Stahl, like playoff Mark Stahl. Oh, I know wow. a lot of people don't don't remember, maybe don't remember how good Mark Stahl was. In Mark, before he got hit in the eye by Scott Hartnell, like he was he was on another level. Mark, uh, prime Mark Stahl defensively. I see those same those same plays from Keandre Miller. He takes the body when he needs to take the body. He poke checks when he needs to poke check. But on top of that, the skating, you know, he skates himself out of trouble better than anyone on the team. And and it's unbelievable to watch this kid grow. And same with Schneider. That was a play, I think, in the first game where the puck bounced off the boards and two penguins are trying to line him up for a hit. And he pulls back. So the penguins players hit each other. 
<laughs> it's it's like you know what that reminded me of a little bit um uh i don't know if you're aware of the three stooges but it's like this it's this old um american show and it would just be these three boneheads that would always do stupid stuff with each other and normally you would see one then be like the leader of the pack while the other two are acting up and being stupid that's exactly what it reminded me of you know you step mm-hmm. away like you're the adult in the room and then you just have these two kids going at it that's yeah. how it felt with that collision <laughs> yeah but um, no, those two kids are great. And, you know, offensively, I think the Zibanejad line wasn't great in game one, but game two, they were better. Zibanejad himself hasn't really been able to contribute a lot offensively, but... Um, he was an absolute horse, uh, game was, one especially. I mean, yeah. let's not forget, I, I understand that was such a brutal loss. We can, of course, deal with that more now because the Rangers respond the best way possible, but... <laughs> Something that I feel that didn't get nearly enough credit that he deserves is Mika absolutely hustling, mm-hmm. hustling his ass off this entire yeah. series so far. But no, that second line with Panarin, Strong, Cop, you know, uh, was good in game one, good in game two. But for me, the line that stands out is the kids' line. Oh my god, Stephen! I've been, I've been. Why do you, I, why do you think I got Laffy on the wall right now? I mean. I, Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you don't need to have crazy point production to show that you're being productive. Gallant said it himself today. He actually uh, pulled Lassie aside and told him how impressed he is. I'll actually tell you right now. This is what came out from Vince McCurgliano just an hour ago at the time of being alive here for Rangers Review, episode 56. He said the following. Okay, so Gallant also pulled Lafreniere aside today to offer words of encouragement and let him know he's pleased with how he, Kako, and Hedl have been playing. And then Gallant said the following, and I quote, for a kid line going up against the lines that they're playing against, I'm really happy with them right now. They have they have been phenomenal. This is there's no better feeling too, Steven. This is the best hockey that they played in unison together mm-hmm. all year long. And it's yep. coming when it matters most. And what really stands out to me is that Lafreniere and Kako have have played a different style of hockey. Yeah. Yeah. We talk about how playing hockey is different. These kids have adjusted to play of hockey. I think this advantage line hasn't really. They still play their own style. They still play their own game. Yeah, you know, their own brand of hockey. And some moments it works, and other moments it doesn't really. Same with Panarin. Panarin is being Panarin. But I mean, Panarin. Panarin was a three-point game last night too. Breadman made all that happen. Yeah, but especially Lafreniere and Kako have reinvented themselves for the playoffs, and it's 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 phenomenal to see. You know, Lafreniere is throwing the body around. He's dropping the gloves. You know, he's he's standing up for Shestyorka and getting hit by Jeff Carter. Kako is a beast. You know, Kako is just outmuscling players left and right. He's skating the puck out of the zone. He, this kid's line, they may not have the goals, but, man, they're fun to watch. You know who and- Laffy is reminding me more and more of? And it's funny because when you're basing things on, like, a style, you could even say that the same applies to Kako. But especially Laffy. He's reminded me a hell of a lot of Rick Nash. And it's hilarious that he is because of the fact that, like Rick Nash, when Rick Nash came to the New York Rangers, other than that 140-goal season, he was a different player than what he was throughout his prime with Columbus. He adjusted. His two-way game became phenomenal. Huge on the penalty kill. An aggressive forward that, again, struggled with his finishing. We all know that far too well. 
but just his overall ability, especially to grind out teams game by game. You're seeing that with Laffy, and not that Laffy's going to develop in that sense, but it is kind of bizarre the similarities with how they take the body, you know, their playmaking ability, their two-way presence. I mean, by all means, Laffy and Kako, they're no slouches on the defensive end. They're not I love Breadman, but we all know Breadman is the reason for that turnover and uh the Genzel goal yesterday, too. So, like, yeah, it's little things like that, especially at their ages. That is nothing short of impressive. I mean, by God, this is the best thing that we could, us as Ranger fans, could have hoped for. You know, seeing these young kids together, this is what we said going into the year. You know, when they, I think that's when they originally had a Gautier, Hedo, and Laffy for like the third line. You know, there's a lot of risks with this line, but there's also a lot of potential. Take out Gautier, put in Kako, and we're getting that potential. Yeah. Yeah. And, and overall, just I like offensively, you know, that, that Kreider and Kopp, um, Funny, funny thing, funny story here. You know, I've I've been joking about the 1994 references this season. Oh my God, what's the latest one? Uh, Chris Kreider and Andrew Kopp are the first pair of Rangers to start the playoffs with back-to-back goals since Mark Messier and Alexei Kovalev in 1994. Oh, you son of a bitch, Stephen! Come on, stop it. <laughs> Can we it talk? Happened, Go ahead. Prior, prior to this year, that happened five times. Uh, Paul Thompson and Will Cook in 1931, Pete Stemkowski and Walt Kazak in 1973, Anders Hedberg, Ulf Nielsen, and Ron Duguay in 1981, wow. Bernie Nichols and Mark Janssen in 1990, and then Messier and Kovalev 94, and now Kreider and Kopp. And um, another thing on Andrew Kopp, um, you know, I've been uh, keeping track of production in the regular season by players traded in the month of March. Yeah. I went through the same thing for the playoffs now. Uh, nine nine deadline acquisitions have put up points so far for their new team. Uh, Vetrano is the only one with three points. Then Cobb and Giroux have two points. And then there's six players with one point. Brendan Hagel, Max Domi, Arturi Lekkonen, Andrew Cogliano, Nico Storm, and Justin Braun, who got an assist. So out of the nine players, the Rangers have three of them in this and- list. Speaking about that production, isn't it isn't it insane? And granted, look, I know we're only through the first couple games, but mm-hmm. if it's not and we don't win, we're not in any of these games the way that we are if it isn't for Andrew Kopp. And I love that, you know, that chemistry with Panarin has mm-hmm. been so elite. I mean, back to back games where he gets himself like beautiful one tees in the slot right in front of the net. And the second game yesterday, obviously, set up beautifully by Breadman. I mean, he's mm-hmm. just He's been a finisher. He's over a point per game since arriving with the Rangers. I mean, this tell this just gives you further reason as to why cop you need to make sure that this man does not go anywhere this offseason. I'm sorry, you yeah. can't do it. You just can't. Him and um, then Vitrano to put the icing on the cake with the beautiful play along the board to drag it and get a nice snipe off on Louis Domain to make it five two. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're all just producing at a high level and it, they're all clicking. And this is this is again without defensively from Keandre and from Schneider without Lindgren without Lindgren was massive enough yesterday. And for Igor to stand on his head, just being stellar per usual, but then offensively to see what they are doing with these new acquisitions. When of course you still don't have Tyler Mott and now we lost Barkley Goudreau. Goudreau is out for the entirety of the series now, more than likely according to Gerard Gallant. So that's a massive blow for the Rangers. So they need these guys to continue stepping up, but so far so good. I did see Tyler Mott is back skating with the team, though. So that's awesome. That's 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 great. I, he's not going to be back now. for the series, I don't think. But yeah. it should the Rangers knock on wood, leg this one out, 
hopefully we can see him yeah. in round two. Should um, so a couple more things. Um, yesterday was the one year Rooneyversary. Oh, since he went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one That's, year since I... he was mocking Tom Wilson on the bench. The most epic thing he's ever done. Steven, Steven, if I were if I were to ask you in that moment a year ago that the Rangers would be where they are right now this year, what would you say? I I probably would have I probably would have asked that David Quinn's gone then. <laughs> uh, no, look, I I I don't think anyone expected the Rangers to be where they are right now. I expected them to make the playoffs. Yes, I didn't expect them to have home ice advantage. Um, but look, we we split we split games one and two. Um, I really wish we would have won game one. But now we go to Pittsburgh. You have to win at least one of them. If you win both, you come back for game five to uh, uh, to put the nail in the coffin on on uh, next week. Um, but yeah, look, this Rangers team, there's so much to love. You know, um, Keandre Miller be- became the 10th youngest defenseman in Rangers history to record a multi-point game in the playoffs yesterday. Yeah, with the two apples. Ah, Braden Schneider, the third youngest defenseman in Rangers history to record a point in a playoff game. Only Earl Siebert and Ron Greshner were younger than Braden Schneider. Earl wow. Siebert played, I think, in the 1930s. Did you say then, Earl Siebert? Earl Earl Siebert? Oh, Siebert. Gotcha. Uh, and then Ron Greshner. Uh, Braden Ron, Schneider, yeah. 20 years, 228 days old. Siebert, 20 years, 108 days. Greshner, 20 years, 110 days. Uh, yeah. You know what's even more amazing about Schneider, Stephen? It's the fact that out of all the young Ranger defensemen, he was the man that we focused about probably the least heading into this year. Well, it's because he was the youngest. Yeah, that's that's my point. And, and it has nothing to do there's nothing against Schneider, but yeah. I you know me. I like to look at precedent. I like to look at the odds based on you know results in the past. And if you the odds weren't the, in his favor. The odds weren't in his favor. Uh, defensemen his age who are drafted outside the top ten usually need an extra year to to adjust before they are really NHL ready. But Schneider defied the odds. Um, it's it's unbelievable what he's done this season. Absolutely unbelievable. And um, look, we're getting, we're, we're, we're getting close to the point where we're going to have a defense that's, that's, that's fully homegrown. If you include players that played their first NHL game as a Ranger, you consider them homegrown like Lindgren and Fox. Then you have Schneider, Miller, and then you have Jones, Lundqvist, and Robertson still, you know, uh, in the pipeline. You have Hunter Skinner who has an outside chance, maybe. Simon Schelberg, who had a had a breakout season this year in college. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun to watch these kids. And yeah, I don't want to get too much into it because we're still in the playoffs. But in a year or two, Jacob True is probably going to be gone. And we we have potentially an entire blue line that made their NHL debut as a Ranger. Homegrown uh, talent, baby. And and this, the, you know, the Nashville Predators did it. The yes. Carolina Hurricanes did it. Mm-hmm. And you take so much pride in it when when you built it yourself. You know, instead of trading for players, instead of signing them as free agents, it's just so much more fun to to me at least. To watch these kids come through the system, 
and be successful. Man, and on offense, Kreider with a career year, Lafreniere, Kako, and Hedl, who really shifted into another gear for the playoffs. Man, that third line. That third line reminds me of the Brassard Zuccarello Pooley outline. It has shades of it out of nowhere. That's the thing. Yeah. Like the, yeah. we saw, we got, we got, we got taste of it this year, especially down the stretch yeah. through the last handful. Yeah, there, of there's not. I mean, stylistically, not they're not the same. I mean, the the Brassard line in 2014 was much more oh, dynamic, and yeah. and you know they, they produced, but but in terms of the impact they're making on the ice, look, when that line is out there, I'm not worried. And this is a line that, on average, is 21 years old. And Gallant isn't worried either. Nope. That's become abundantly clear so far and there in this was, series. There were shifts last night where I think it was Schneider, Miller on defense, and then Lafreniere, Hedl, and Kako. The oldest player on the ice for the Rangers <laughs> was 26-year-old Chess Jorkin. That's for crazy. Certain the oldest skater was Philip Hedl. I know. Philip Hill is one of the longest tenured New York Rangers right now. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that? Third longest tenured Ranger, yeah, behind Kreider and Zibanejad. And I would I would like to give a massive props to Hedl specifically because Hedl by no means had an easy year between the injuries that he dealt with and, of course, just a lack of consistency. And he's a man where we still do not know, obviously, what his future holds. And it's hard to envision, potentially, if he will still be a Ranger next year with these key for agents coming up and the Rangers have to find some way to get some cap space. But for right now, Heedle being a young stud that he still is to see some of the best hockey that I think we've ever seen mm-hmm. with him with, for the Rangers. I mean, the fact that not just him, but again, Laffy and Kako are adjusting their games. And this is not, this is not an easy thing to do. I'd like to make that clear as well to adjust this early in your career. When you, all of you have zero playoff experience to understand the assignment, and accept it and know, hey, yes, maybe I do have to play a little different than my normal game. But that's playoff hockey. You have to adjust to what you're working with, who you're going up against. And all three of them on this chaotic yet so entertaining, fun third line, they are getting the job done. And I feel just as confident with that line right now as I do with any other line in this lineup. I'll I'll say this, though. Hedo has made it a lot harder for Drury to move on from him. Yep. And 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 again playoff hockey performances will make up for what you do in the regular season in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. And he yeah. was doing exactly that. And you know, remember, remember 2020, the qualifying round against the Carolina hurricanes. Yep. Kako was our best player in the, in that series. Yep. And I'm glad you brought that up because it, it felt, it feels like light years ago since we, mm-hmm. did, since we had the bubble, but Kako was really that lone standout because no one else was standing out. If they were, it was for a negative, not a positive. Yep. Yeah, it was uh, oof, that was rough, but uh, yeah, Kako was good back then. Kako is good now. Look, that 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 disallowed goal in game one, man. That move he made onto uh, onto the Smith, so good. I mean, he if Dumoulin, I, I I still believe that if Dumoulin doesn't touch him, he cuts in front of the Smith and goes around him and doesn't even touch the Smith. He doesn't even enter the crease. Oh yeah, and I it's it's just such a bullshit call because there's we've seen earlier this year, right? When the Rangers or any or other teams have been in that situation, but you know it you know um that they like they basically pushed themselves into the goaltender or something like that. No, this was so blatant that it wasn't Kako, the one truly being at fault here. It wasn't like he went in and steamrolled to Smith uh by any stretch. 
and for hit, for them to still get blamed. I mean, in my opinion, I think that was just such a perfect rig job by the NHL because it's like we have a chance to make this go to the playoffs. I get it that Pittsburgh Penguins are a smaller market, but it's Sidney Crosby. If we can do something to help him prolong things, then we're going to do it. And they did exactly that. And again, I it sucks. It's like you read you read these things from a mile away. I wasn't even shocked by the call. I was just disgusted by it. You know, I think there's a difference between knowing when something might not go your way versus hoping that it will and you're still screwed over in the end. Yeah. Yeah, look, I'm just really happy what I see from the kids, both on offense and on defense. Um, I cannot wait. I really cannot wait for game three. It's going to be it's going to be electric in Pittsburgh this Saturday. That's why we're recording right now, guys. And we're going to be getting the comments fairly soon because we don't have too much more that I think we personally need to break down about these two. I have, you know, I don't this is different, I would say, than when we've done our episodes during the season, you know, breaking down every number bit by bit. I think we're going to just ride a little bit more with the emotions. If In case you guys are worried, I got all my notes here. I got all the numbers of every play that transpired. But I mean. All we know right now is that the Rangers are tied 1-1 in this series. I can confidently say that I truly believe the Rangers have been and will continue to be the better team in this series. Now, again, that doesn't guarantee you victories. That doesn't guarantee anything. And it will not be an easy matchup going to Pittsburgh whatsoever either. But this is a Ranger team that, again, as you were complaining from game one, not taking enough of advantage against the third, uh, the third and then fourth string goaltenders for our, pardon me, second and third for the Penguins. Well, now, now we just got the third for basically the entirety of the series. Louis Domain, I don't think we're going to see Jari again this series at all, I should say. And DeSmith is gone now with his surgery. So the Rangers just need to keep putting the pressure. And, Steven, I'm not sure if you saw what I had to say for the uh, series preview heading into this matchup because I know you were busy with your call. But I really emphasize for the Rangers, not just for game one, but for the series as a whole, is to jump on the pens early. That's what they did game one, but it be aggressive as all hell. That led to Ricard Raquel getting hurt the way he did that we saw. He did not play yesterday, obviously. The Rangers have gone a little bane up themselves with Lindgren, Goodrow, and of course Igor, even though that Igor is okay with his uh, little incident yesterday with Carter. That was unfortunate. But point being is that the Rangers have this aggressive factor, what you need in playoff hockey. Take advantage of the opportunities given you, especially play bigger against a team that has looked smaller at times. Yes, they have the playoff experience, but the Rangers are a young, more vibrant club that actually is able to defend themselves for the first time in a while. When you have Revo in there, that definitely helps. We saw the massive hits that he's done already so far this series. He's lighting everyone up. I mean, so, I, like, this is great because even though that, yes, the Penguins, they won the first game, the Rangers are really grinding them down early, and this is hopefully something that they can continue in a Pittsburgh. There's nothing better than making a statement. Jump on them early. I don't wish injury on anyone, but I will say that from how the Rangers have played in a lot of ways so far with this aggressiveness, continue to put the ga- uh, put, uh, push the gas pedal. This is justice for Tyler Mott. I'm not over that schmuck that hurt him in the Penguins game in the regular season. We need to continue to push uh, you know, the metal of the pedal. You just got to keep going right now because they are very much in a good spot, I would say. But that aggressive factor, especially from the young kids, that needs to continue. You have to be relentless if you want to get out of this series. Maybe you'll be able to get out of it before nine, even seven games. But you just got to be nonstop. You know, no gas, all break, uh, no breaks, all gas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh... – look – what they started really well in game one they started really well in game two but we need a 60 minute effort and i know that's like a cliche thing to say but 
maybe not even a 60 minute effort. Give me a 50 minute effort. Because if you have a bad period, it, it ruins your your chances of winning, especially against a team like the Penguins. You know, the Penguins who, you know, and you know, I'm not one to complain about referee. I'm no, not, you're you I'm, go you've been you've been over backwards, I feel like, to defend a ref, if anything. It's not well, the other way I mean, around. maybe not defend, but I would at least speak up against always blaming the referees. I you will put your referee, bi- you will put your bias aside right away. Yeah, yeah, blaming the referees, I think, is an easy cop out. No pun intended. Um, the same way complaining about the ice is stupid yeah. to me because both teams play on the same sheet of ice. I I'm not one to complain about the referees, but man, these two games, especially the first game, we only get one power play, and there was stuff that could have been called. So much bullshit that should have been called. Crosby, so much ridiculous. Clashing Fox. You know, uh, Malkin uh, uh, cross-checking opponents yeah. left and right. But and then you the saw Rangers, that little BS cross-check that the Rangers got called for. Love tapped him. Like, if I, they, yeah. Listen, I I know it was a weak call, but man, Nemeth needs to be smarter than that. Oh, Nemeth has been dog shit. I'm sorry, Nemeth. Nemeth has, I, Nemeth has not been help and help at all. I know. I, I know that. I know that cross-checking call in game two in the first period on Nemeth was soft. But don't give them a reason. Yeah, that's fair. And that's fair. you're talking about about making contact with someone's back away from the play in the neutral zone while your team is on offense. It is such a stupid penalty. And yes, it was a weak call. I don't care. Don't give them a reason. Don't give them a reason to call it. There was no reason there at all to engage with Pedersen. I think it was Marcus Pedersen. There's, like I said, don't give them a reason. It's that simple. Um, but the referees have been – they were better in game two, but still a lot of things they let go. A lot of things where, you know, the Jeff Carter, the Jeff carter Shostorkin incident, I was shocked we came away with a power play. As was I. I was shocked. Um, but Evan Rodriguez slew-footed Shostorkin in the first minute of the game. But we won't talk about that. And nothing was called. You know, this is the, the stuff where, for once, I, I side with Ranger fans complaining about the referees because it is obvious in these two games. Um, but despite that, we won a 5 2 win in game two. Now we go on to Pittsburgh. Win one in Pittsburgh, and you at least come back for game five tied, at least tied for game five. Yep. And you look, look, the Penguins are without uh, Tristan Jari. Uh, Casey DeSmith had surgery today, so he's out for the remainder of the playoffs. Louis Domingue is going to be their starting goalie, and he's at least, he's on an emergency contract. He's not even he's not even under contract. He doesn't even count against the cap. Uh, they called up Alex Dorio from the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins as to be the backup. There's no excuse. There are no excuses. When you go up against a third-string goalie for 60 minutes, you need to put four or five goals behind him. Put the puck in the net four or five times. Don't, if you don't, three, don't let him get hot and have like a Dustin Tokar, Tokarski moment or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. The fact that that series against the Canadians back in 2014 still went six games with Tokarski in that pissed yeah. me off so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, that at that point, you should win every game. Agreed. Um, 
this team needs to stop relying on Chess Jorkin as much as I love him. And listen, I put up his jerseys for a reason because he's been lights out. Uh, I mean, I'm going to build a shrine for this guy at, before he even retires. It's unbelievable what he's doing. Steven, um, we need to come up with like a prayer for him every night. We need to figure uh, something out. Oh, um, the one thing, the one moment where I was screaming at my TV, the Rangers were on the power play. Oh, no, it wasn't the power play. Um, the Penguins pulled their goalie. Yeah. We're up. I think we were up 5-2. Five minutes to go. Penguins yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all want him to get a goal. <laughs> Truba and Miller were passing it back and forth in their own zone. And all I can think is, pass it back to Shestorkin, you cowards. Let him shoot it on net. But then you saw an overhead view. Latang was in the crease when that happened. Yeah. And this is the beauty of Shestorkin, right? Even though he hasn't scored a goal in the NHL, the fact that he's trying to score goals puts the opponent on notice, puts the opponents, you know, makes them think twice. Like they 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 know he's he's actually a threat. <laughs> because you see it with all the crazy dump passes mm-hmm. that he makes on a game against basis. And here's the thing. When you put someone in the crease to cover your empty net, you're no longer playing a six on five. So <laughs> that's actually a great point. Yeah, that's true. The puck five on five with a skater and net. Yeah. So, so what the hell's the point of doing an empty net to begin it with? Completely that? negates. It completely negates the advantage you normally have of pulling the goalie. If you have the puck as a Rangers, it only even if you just have the opportunity to pass it back to Shostakovich. Make them believe that you're going to. You don't have to do it. Just make them think you're doing it. Yeah. Because it it, it, it pushes them back. It's uh, I think in football, in American football, they call it prevent defense. Oh, yeah. Yep. Where, you know, you go all the way back to, to make sure you don't give up a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Man, that was a thing of beauty. And that was a thing of beauty, even though I was screaming at my TV to freaking pass the puck to Chef Jorkin. It's it's um, gonna come. It'll come very soon, regardless yeah. on if it's this year or next. It, I don't it's think, inevitable. I don't think a goalie has ever scored in the playoffs. So it looks like the Rangers have a chance to make even more history soon, huh? Yeah, Shostorkin has already made Rangers history. He has already made NHL history with most saves in the first two games of the playoffs. I mean, I, we're yeah. so spoiled. I, I, we're just so effing spoiled. I mean, what you thought we were spoiled when we had Hank? Little did you guys know. That we had a little Hank 2.0, and not even sh- I shouldn't even say Hank 2.0. We have we have now Igor, you know we have the heir apparent, mm-hmm. and he it's and like- he has potential to have an even a higher peak. Somehow, some way, this man actually has potential to have a higher peak in yeah. his NHL career than the great. It's Henry. like the Packers going from Favre to Rogers. Yep, yeah, that's that's yeah. a good that's a good one. That's and I'm pretty one. sure yeah. there's a baseball analogy too with like oh, the Yankees go- going from one. So many. I mean, yeah, one, the, one leg into another, but yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, t- take away the fact that we didn't win any Stanley Cups. Lundqvist to Chef Jorgen is like the equivalent of going from Favre to to Rogers. I mean, yeah, unbelievable. Teams in the NFL go decades without a decent quarterback. <laughs> Teams in the NHL go decades without an elite goaltender, and we and we just swap one for the other it's that's the one thing that's the one thing thankfully us ranger fans have had a consistency with mm-hmm. it's not much at least it has been goaltending because at the end yeah. of the day that position matters so if, if you couldn't tell already yeah. i don't know if you don't understand the importance of goaltending then you know i don't know what to tell you 
But Shestjorkin is a beast. You know, yes, he's a great goaltender, but the, the personality, you know, the tenacity, the balls on the guy, it, he, he has the mentality to be a star for over a decade in this league. And we're only talking about his second full season. Actually, his first full season. Yeah, yeah. Last he's season, injuries and then COVID, yeah. everything. Yeah. Here, um, I do see. Before we go forward, I do see donation. I like to address quick, and then, if you don't mind, Stephen, I would then like to pivot to answer questions for like sure. you know five ten minutes before we wrap things up. Uh, but Alex with here with the five dollar donation. Thank you so much for that, Alex. Here in the live stream, Alex says when we said we wanted the pens in the playoffs, we didn't say we wanted the pens referees too. I know. Keep the if anything, keep them in Pittsburgh. You know what? I can understand it a lopsidedness and officiating when you are the away club. Like I get that. That happens a lot. That is common. But by God, when that shit happens at the Garden, I'm sorry. There's there's very there's very little that um I can say other than the fact that it's ridiculous. That yeah. we are actually seeing it transpire. But it is Alex, like there's a questionable icing calls and non calls to the point where when the Rangers actually get an icing, the garden explodes and erupts in in cheers and and joy and, and you know, they're yep. applauding the referees for calling an icing correctly. It's, it's actually nuts, but that I did actually wanna... sorry, ahead. that never reminds me of this uh it was like years ago. There was this group of fans that was at a hockey game. Yeah. They were dressed in referee jerseys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, weren't cheer- they weren't cheering for the home team or the away team. They were cheering every time an icing was called. <laughs> Proper officiating, <laughs> baby. Yeah, that that reminds me of like not just for hockey, but I've seen in uh, in baseball too. Some people have been idiots and will dress like a home plate umpire sitting right behind home plate and then they're doing they're doing the same strike they're making the the signs and yeah yeah yeah. they're doing it until they get called out it's hilarious but that actually reminds me and this is something i did want to mention because i have to steven steven the same way that the rangers had themselves a absolutely massive victory last night the new york mets had an absolutely massive one too so we're gonna have to make this mets podcast for like a minute and 30 seconds so bear with me the mets last night won a game that they were losing seven to one entering the ninth inning and they scored seven runs in the top of the ninth inning. The first time they have done that to come back from a six plus deficit in the ninth in 25 years, they were zero and 330 entering tonight's game in that situation. And they scored nine effing runs in Philly against the Phillies. I despise so much. I'll be out of game actually this Sunday for the series finale. And the Mets ended up winning eight, seven and add it, even make it even crazier. Steven, I put down a bet on the Mets to win when they were losing five, nothing. I won exactly $330. If that isn't the most bizarre coincidence, I don't know what is. I don't know what is absolutely that, ridiculous. That's pretty cool. Look, I, I'm I I don't know a lot about baseball, but yeah, if you're down six runs in the ninth inning and you still win, I think the only way they could have made it better if if is if they were the second team to bat in the inning and you would have a walk. A walk walk on. Yeah, if they were home, that would have been even sweeter. Yeah, that would have yeah. been crazy. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah that, that would have been even better. But. uh I I, yeah. I I respect the I love the fact that you actually know that because I know that you're not as intertwined obviously with baseball listen, but you listen, know the home uh, and away that's good. 
until two years ago, I refer to an RBI as an assist. So <laughs> there you go. I mean, you're not, you're not, you're not far off. You're not completely. Far I mean, off. for someone who's never watched base, had never watched baseball at the time, it's not a crazy way of describing an RBI. No, it's it not, no, it's not. It's not. It's not absurd. No, no. Um, yeah. but I went to one baseball game in 2019 where the Yankees won the division yeah. uh, at Yankee Stadium. Only baseball game I've ever been to. I've been to City Field for the Winter Classic. Yeah, we got to get you there for a Mets game this year. I'm sorry to yeah. my Yankees viewers, but it has to be done. Yeah. My, my fiance is, is is taunting me about going to City Field during the summer because then I won't get hypothermia. <laughs> yes, you can find you can relive you can relive the weekend that you met your soon to be wife. But this time yeah, you yeah. can actually be coherent for the um, entire time. <laughs> the only other baseball stadium I've actually, I've actually been to like inside is. Uh, Safe is it Safeco Field in Seattle where the Mariners play? I don't know. Wait, I think Mariners is T-Mobile. Oh, they changed it. Yeah, because uh, I think they changed it. I'm not. I'm not. Seahawks don't quote me. I think they did though. Yeah, the Seahawks Stadium used to be CenturyLink, and now it's Lumen Field. So they, it's probably a new a new sponsor. Um, I was at the Seattle Mariners Stadium in 2018, I think. Yeah, T-Mobile Park. Yeah, they must yeah. have changed it. Uh, 2018, there was like this Christmas festival, and a friend of mine lives in Seattle. His wife had tickets. Like, oh, we'll go. You know, you know, we'll have some beers. We'll just sit in the bleachers, and we'll have them, you know, walk around and do all the Christmas stuff, and we'll just have some beers. Like, all right. And uh, they had like this maze on the field, and all I was looking for was home plate. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually, I found where home plate was, and I, 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 I waved at my friend like, "Hey, dude." home plate and he goes you're safe you're good yeah. <laughs> you scored <laughs> yeah yeah so i've been to three baseball stadiums um i walked past bush stadium two months ago in seattle or in uh, st louis um that was probably one of the nicest baseball stadiums i've seen it's a really nice building oh yeah i've, I've always wanted to go to um uh, bush stadium yeah, it's yeah, beautiful. Because they have this little little baseball village right next right next door with bars and restaurants, and that's yeah. really cool. That's a lot, a bunch. And to and to conclude the baseball discussion before we answer a couple comments before getting out of here, yeah, there are a bunch of stadiums you know that have really nice restaurants, bars like connected. And uh, for example, I went to Fenway for the first time last year with a large group of Mets fans. Yeah, 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 in Boston. And it was very – it was so awesome because I had never been to Fenway or Boston in general. Love the vibe there, even though the Mets lost. It was a great experience, and it's really fun because it's like a little party town right outside the stadium because they have they have a brewery, they have a restaurant, and it, and they also have it where when you go in, you show your ticket, but you're still on the street. It's just like a whole block around the stadium of you getting a drink all around on the street and stuff, have a good time, basically pregame party – but you're still connected with the team versus say doing it by yourself in the parking mm -hmm. lot or something. And then you go into the game and that's only one example of many parks that you can go to where they have like Philly. Great example. Philly has all their stadiums in one hub. You know, you have Lincoln Financial, yeah. which is the Eagles. It's a lot of fun. That's as much as I despise Philly, mm -hmm. especially if you have multiple sports in a day, you can hit multiple games in a day. Yeah. You can be, I, I, I went to the game all day. I went to the Wells Fargo Center in 2019 for the Rangers preseason game there, and I noticed that the football and baseball stadium are like in that same. It's like this one big area. 
it's so sick it's just a massive parking lot and you can do whatever because again they have they have live entertainment normally they have again restaurants different bars it's just a lot it's a lot of fun you can make a whole day out of it yeah Mm -hmm. okay so let's get into a couple comments now see what you ranger fans have to say here in the chat so if you guys do have any comments that you'd like us to answer over the next five to ten minutes by all means ask them away right now and again for people that are listening on replay or wherever you get your podcasts if you too want your comments answered all i would truly recommend is try to find us on youtube at rangers review our youtube channel and you know try to get in for the live streams when they happen unfortunately we're not as consistent as we would like to be at this point in regards to how early we can set a stream up so you guys know about it ahead of time like today i wasn't able to set it up until two hours prior but we do try our best especially last episode you guys knew about it like a day prior on youtube and we'll try to do our best going forward to be exactly yeah. like that so you can chime in but i do see a couple comments so let's get to them this one's from uh nyr mike how's it going mike um he says do i think Shesty's healthy after that incident with carter and it will not affect his performance i think Shesty's fine i gotta be honest with you now there were a lot of arguments saying that Shesty was embellishing what transpired yesterday you know that he was focusing on one part of his body then he was focusing on his back he kind of you know like flailed did, did you know made a little bit uh made it maybe a little bit more dramatic than what it originally was and regardless of that quite frankly i don't care especially with how the officiating has been this series by all means if you could do anything to try to give yourself a better shot at gain a power play, then by all means you do it as long as you don't go too far. I didn't think Igor went too far. Maybe there's a slight bias because I'm a Rangers fan, but I also know how one side the officiating has been this entire series. So I'm going to take that and answer the question though. I don't think Igor's hurt. I don't think he's phased at all. Um, it looks bad at first. It did, but then it kind of felt like a soccer play in the sense of, you know, he got up and he was ready to go then. Yeah, and, and I think it's more the fact that as a goalie, when you go down, it's hard to get up. You know, it's not like a, it's not like a forward or a defenseman where, you know, you just get up from, from being hit. You know, you're wearing pads, you're wearing equipment that, that's, that slows you down. You know, if you are, like, on your knees, that's one thing. If you're on your back, it takes you a little longer to get back up. Um I don't know if there was embellishment, you know, sometimes you, you tweak something and it hurts for about a minute. And then after that, it's gone. You know, um, I think he's fine. I think Chef is going to play. Now, I have no doubt in my mind. Um, but man, if this happens again, look, I don't want to, I don't condone injuring players. I'm just saying if, if another player runs into Chef Jorkin, all bets are off. You have to you have to stand up because he's I, literally this team. At that point, I want Reeves to go after Crosby. Yep. You know, you, you have uh, to. There's no. There's, yeah. There has to be a no nonsense mentality in situations like this. Simply put. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and you know, um, I I actually shared the Tortorella interview from from ten years ago last night after the game. Was that after which game? Uh, the, uh, the the Tortorella interview where, um, who was it? Brooks Orpik, I think, who went knee-to-knee on Derek Stepan. Oh, was that, it, was that against the Pens? Yeah. Yeah, and, and Tortorella yeah. called them out, you know, uh, you know, most arrogant organization in the league. It's just gutless. And uh, I love how he ended that that interview with, uh, um, you know, uh, they'll, they'll whine about something else over there, starting with their two fucking stars uh so i shared that and yeah it was 
yeah that 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 video resonated with me after the game last night yeah no i i definitely can understand why uh rafael with the five dollar donation thank you so much for that buddy i appreciate it he asks or says rather do i think the rangers make the playoffs without igor if so in a wild card spot now see this is kind of a trick question for me personally because what do you mean without Igor? Do you mean like without Igor in general, like he just wasn't ever here or like if say he was injured, God forbid, because I would say that if say it was a situation where maybe we lost Igor early this season, the Rangers would have made a proper trade to at least have a one-year replacement. And depending on what that replacement could be, could be enough. I think wild card's possible, but it, in a nutshell though, I do find it hard to believe that the Rangers make it where they have now, at least without Igor. I mean, he's the he's single-handedly the reason why the Rangers were where they were, especially in the first half leading into the trade deadline when they had such an anemic, inconsistent offense. You had a top six, but you did not have a bottom six. Yeah, and 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 you have a really good uh, point there. If this team doesn't have Shashorkin, does that mean they never had Shashorkin? Does that mean Shashorkin goes down with injury at the start of the season? Uh, what what does not having Shashorkin mean? If it yeah. means we never had Shashorkin, then they would have made a move for a different goalie. You would have had a better goalie in that than Georgiev. Yes. And who would that have been? You know, we'll never know. But that's they thankfully have gone, we don't have to know. I mean, they could have gone for Freddie Anderson. They could have they could have traded for a guy like UC Saros a couple of years ago when Rene was still the goalie in Nashville. Yep. So many options. But look, the Rangers are where they are thanks to several factors. The biggest factor is Shashorkin, yes. Okay, let's see. I'm going to answer a couple more before we wrap up the show. And again, appreciate everyone that's listening to Rangers Review episode 56. Amazing um, says, uh, the way hockey equipment is made now, when you hit into someone, you actually get banged up yourself. Many concussions occur due to simple hitting your head against a shoulder pad when a player turns. Now, see, I'm I'm not one to speak on this in regards to equipment. I'm not following it to, to say, give a proper response. However, that I I wouldn't be surprised if this were the case. I know that equipment can, of course, still be an issue with things. Um, one thing I will say in regards to injuries and equipment, the one thing that I don't agree with at all in the NHL is that when getting in a fight, for example, you have to keep your helmet on now. I don't see how that benefits either player. And I think that there's actually more risk of potentially getting hurt, especially with your hand. I know that their point is because they're trying to eliminate, you know, injuries, I mean, from fights in general, fighting in general. But I think it's just a poor way of going about it. Just one little tidbit to take out of this comment here. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, I, uh, I, I've never had goalie equipment on, so I don't know how that impacts your movement. But, uh, well, that's not true. I, I've had a blocker and a glove on my on my hands once. Um, but yeah, I, th I think I think Jeff Storkin's going to be fine. I'm I'm not worried there. Um, I also think that goalies are are used to you know getting hit sometimes yeah it's not like it never happens um yeah uh remember when the smith left left the game on tuesday and everyone thought it was cramp yeah i mean i mean even hank was like saying that he was like a little soft but little did we yeah. know how serious his injury was yeah yeah goalies don't give up because because they, you know, that they, they, their leg cramps up. You, you really, um, you really think the Smith said, "Oh, you know, this, this damn calf. Oh my goodness, yeah. I can't stretch yeah. it. Out. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't Somebody, do it. I, I know, I know, I know that I might be the reason why we won or lose single handedly tonight. And I know it's yeah. my first ever career playoff start that I grinded out through three, you know, normal periods in, in overtime. Yeah. But yeah, you know, 
I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's not like Casey the Smith was going all Jim Mora, like, playoffs? No. no <laughs> play on the ice, you know? Yeah. Here, one, so, one other comment from uh, the same person here in the chat from AZ that I like to answer is, what does Galan attempt to change to contain the Crosby line? That's a great question because, Stephen, you said it yourself. This is a line that has yet to be contained. Jake mm-hmm. Genzel's doing Jake Genzel things, especially when you look at how, um, pardon me, how Genzel scored in, uh, in game one, not as much as game two. I mean, just absolutely piss poor defense. Genzel's first goal was right in front after Igor made a stellar save, but the Rangers were nowhere near to help him out defensively. And then the second goal was a beautiful pass by Crosby, but it was just, again, Piss poor defense still by the Rangers there to allow Genzel to get back door open in front of Igor for the quick shot off for a second goal. Then yesterday, again, a little bit different, but point is, is that that line's murdering us so far. And it's specifically that line that Penguins are not yeah. showing their depth nearly to the, to the degree that the Rangers are, in my opinion, by the end of the day, yeah. if you can't contain a top line, they're going to mm-hmm. continue to score. So how are the Rangers and Gallant specifically going to try to do this? Steven, what's your opinion? I mean, are you going to tweak your lines or are you going to try a new strategy? I don't think Galan's going to play with his lines right now. I think Galan's happy with the way his lines are, are shaped out. Although I, if I were to make one change to the lineup, I'd probably swap Vetrano and Kako to give that Zibanejev line a more defensively reliable player in Kako and give that third line a little bit more speed. Um, and if you have Zibanejad and Kreider playing with Kako against that Crosby line, I think that would solidify that a little bit in your own zone, but I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, Galan has to figure out a strategy that'll work. Um, and I think, I think the strategy might be need to be more than just focusing on that line. I think yeah. it just has to do more with the entire play style for the Rangers. Where yeah, and, and let's, also, let's also not forget, now you're going to Pittsburgh, you play on the road two games, which means you ha- you have you you are the, the, the coach to, to put your lines out first. Yep. Aside from an icing, you are always the first coach to put out your line. So if you put out the Zibanejad line and Mike Sullivan looks at that and goes, the Crosby line is, 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 has been dominant against that line. He's going to put the Crosby line out there. You know, the Rangers had that advantage in games one and two. Now the Penguins have that advantage in games three and four. Um, I think what matters most in that situation, especially defensive zone faceoffs, they have to win more faceoffs. They have to be better on the dot, especially in their own zone. They're getting killed in their own zone. I think their face-off percentage in their own zone was 37%. Yeah. That's just not, that's just not good enough. Agreed. That's, that's not good enough. Um, could you see, because Galland was tweaking it a little bit yesterday, where he didn't change up the lines per se, but what he did do was for certain face-offs, for certain draws, he would put Cobb out there with Zibanejad and Kako just for the face-off. Yeah. And then you win the face off. Cobb goes to the bench. Vetrano comes on. Yeah, that's something that you could maybe play play around with a little bit. Um, try to focus a little bit more on winning face offs. Um, I'm not worried about the Malkin line at all. You know, Malkin Malkin gets gets pushed around by everyone. Schneider, Miller, Reeves, Lafreniere, 
And this isn't to slight Malkin. You know, he's not soft by any stretch, but this is what happens when you have younger, fresher, and really pumped up defensemen that are all the size, if not bigger, than Evgeny Malkin. That's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and that's the difference between Crosby and Malkin. Yeah. Crosby still takes it to another level. And that's always been the difference between Crosby and Malkin because, you know – to, and this this is going to wrap things up on today's show, folks. But when you look at them, how many times has Malkin thrived when Crosby wasn't in the lineup? And how mm-hmm. many times has Crosby thrived when Malkin wasn't in the lineup? Yes, they've both been in sync together, not on the same line, but you know what I mean. But it is bizarre how their games have changed over the years, depending on who's healthy, who's not. And Malkin, the biggest gripe with him has always been his health. And if it's either that or it's just – the motivation, you know, especially when you've won as much as they all have at this point in their careers. At times, it can be a little bit more difficult to have that same drive. And I feel that with Malkin, we have seen that more than maybe we have with Crosby because Sid just, Sid just, Sid just knows. I mean, he just, he's always locked in. And don't get me wrong, yeah. so is Malkin is playing, mm-hmm. playing very good, not trying to denounce him by any stretch. But I'm trying to reaffirm and, you know, just further agree with your original yeah. statement here. By the way, um, I know we've talked a lot about Chesjok and winning the Vezina. Um, you know, Kreider having having a career year with 50-plus goals. Panarin on the verge of 100 points. Um, but now Braun, uh, uh, Vetrano, Kopp, they're all, they're all contributing. I... I don't know if we've talked about this enough, but I think Chris Drury is a candidate for general manager of the year. Yeah, I think I think every I think the Rangers are candidates for everything this year. I think that I think I mean, Gallon, 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 Gallon should at least be in the conversation. I would almost say he's guaranteed top three in votes. Probably. Um, if Calgary wins the cup, it's probably going to be uh, Daryl Sutter. Calgary ain't winning the cup. No, on right now. Um, but yeah, um, Galan top three coach in Jack Adams voting. Drury's going to be top three. He has to be top three in votes for general manager of the year. Shashorkin is a is a lock for the Vezina. There's no way someone else is winning it. There's no way. And I know playoffs aren't part of the, you know, the the. However, like the curriculum, I think they call it, or no, it's not part yeah, of the playoffs. Don't matter. It's regular season performance because not it everyone does. makes playoffs, you know. Yeah, doesn't matter. Regular season, he was still miles ahead of everyone else. Yep. Uh, it's it's been an unbelievable season, and look, if if we get past the Penguins, if we make it to the second round, I can I already consider this season a success because we are better than we were a year ago. Um, if we make it to the second round, I said it before. That's gravy. To me, that's just gravy. That's yep. the icing on the cake. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, man. What a season it has been. And <sighs> playoff hockey is so exciting, man. It's so it's so exhilarating. I mean, Stephen, last night, you got you to just understand my perspective. I'm watching the Rangers game, and I'm watching the Mets game, and I'm about to turn off the Mets game, right? And I'm just so happy. I'm like, thank God the Rangers are playing so good tonight. I'm, I'm, I needed this for my soul. It felt so great. I, you're getting, you know, the chills that I would get from when I was younger as a kid watching playoff hockey. And then for the Mets to do what they did at the same time. I mean, Steven, I want to go streaking more than I could even begin to tell you. Every yeah. I, 
tonight, last night was just a historic day that I will never forget. Um, but I also think, however, that it is now time for us to briefly talk about the history of the New York Rangers and their jersey number of 56. So, Stephen, do you know the history of the New York Rangers in 56? Because I got to say, mm-hmm. off the top of my head, I don't, I, the, there's maybe one person crossing my mind but i think it's not his number though so i'm concerned to say it before we go over the names can i point out that today's date is five six? Oh wow good point that is a good point there you go yeah there's only been one player who wore 56 in an official rangers game how how long tenured was he with the rangers um i think he played like this like two or three seasons let me let me look let me check quickly 98 games over the course of three seasons from 2008 to 2012. Oh, 2008-2012. And that's a defenseman, I take it. He finished 17th in Calder voting in 2010-2011. Maybe he isn't a defenseman. See, he's center? He's from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Did he change his number? Nope. And he was a Calder kid. Oh, 17th. I mean, he wasn't like in the conversation, but okay. He got he got some color votes. Um, in 98 games, four goals, 14 assists. Oh, it is okay. a, it is a defenseman. It isn't a defenseman. It is. It is a defenseman. Oh, yes. it is a defenseman. Did should I know who this is? His career got cut short by a concussion. Oh no! Oh, it's is it Michael Sauer? Yep, Michael Sauer. Fucking Dion Phaneuf, that piece of shit. All right. <laughs> That's all I got to say. I'll never forget Phaneuf for that. Now, he, you know, Sauer was so hyped up. I know. I remember the whole yeah. story with him. I, my dad explained it so well. Like he, he seemed like he was the next big thing on the Rangers' blue line. Then Dion Phaneuf said otherwise. Uh, McDonough Sauer. That was yeah. the pair. We had Stahl Girardi and then McDonough Sauer. That's crazy. Damn. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, you know, you know, you know the, tr- the tragic thing is that his older brother, Kurt Sauer, also had to retire due to concussions. Really? Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, not to the same extent because he still had a great career, but that reminds me of Eric Lindros and his brother. Because his brother uh, dealt with really bad concussions yeah. as well, I believe. Islanders draft pick, right? Did not have nearly the type of career that Eric did. Yeah, looking at Kurt Sauer, by the way, 357 NHL games. So he did have a little bit more of a career. Okay. Uh, but yeah, Eric Lindros, his brother, Brett, yep. Yeah, two seasons, 50, 51 games for the Islanders. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, only player to uh, to to play with number 56. So he must have changed his number because someone said this in the chat, and I agree. I remember Eric Sauer as number 38. Hold on. Let me check. Unless Sorry. we're thinking of a different player. Yeah, I don't remember him as 56. Oh, no, yeah. He, he changed to 38. in the, So he played 56 for three games in 08-09. I said Eric, not Eric. Yeah. Yeah, Michael Sauer. And then, and then he changed to 38 for uh, 010-11 and 11-12. Okay. He yeah, played that's 19 games, 19 games in 2011-2012 until he went down with the uh, with injury. Gotcha. Okay. Dion Phaneuf. Sean, Sean Avery knows what to say right now. <laughs> if you, if you remember. Uh, 
it's <laughs> the my, floppy seconds. <laughs> my 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 two two of my favorite all time hockey related interviews are Sean Avery sloppy seconds and Dan Boyle. Dan Boyle. <laughs> Dan Boyle referring to Larry Brooks and Brett Sergalis as clowns in the locker room. That was that was actually the that was probably the most entertaining part of Dan Boyle's tenure as a New York I, Ranger. I, I know Dan Boyle didn't have a great two years as a Ranger on the ice, but dude, off the ice, he was respected by his teammates. He was and that that last interview, to me, that 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 made him a cult hero. That, that, that made him a cult icon in Rangers history. To call out Larry Brooks, who basically complained every time about how Dan Boyle was terrible, and even if he was, you know that that get that gets in a player's head. That that interview by Dan Boyle was epic. Oof. Absolutely. But you know what, Stephen? I think it's about that time. So I want to thank everyone again that chimed in. This was episode 56 of Rangers Review. Guys, I'm assuming we'll probably be back after game four. So however the next two games go, we'll talk. We'll probably talk, I would say, you know, either on Tuesday or Thursday of next week. So stay tuned for that. A big couple games for the Rangers in Pittsburgh. You know, no more home ice advantage, even though that that, didn't mean much to the officials. That's for sure. So we'll see maybe if things kind of reverse turn on Ted here in Pittsburgh starting tomorrow night. But again, we really appreciate Very excited. So, so electric to watch Rangers play up hockey once again, especially when they're playing well the way that they are. But Steven, do you have any final words before we wrap this one up? Uh yeah, quick note on Ryder Korzak who signed. Oh, I was gonna say it. I've been looking at the jersey the whole time. Fine, take it, yeah. take take it away, Stephen. Go ahead. Ryder Korzak, center, Moose Jaw Warriors in the WHL was a third round pick in 2021 by the Rangers, um, 75th overall. I think that's the same pick as Pavel Buchnevich, 75th overall. Third round, 75th. Um, signed his entry level contract yesterday. A three year deal. Not slight eligible because he turns 20 years old later this year. Um, I, I expect him to start in Hartford. He's eligible to play in Hartford for that same reason. He turns 20 by the end of the year. Um, so, yeah, next season we're going to have a couple of centers joining the fray in Hartford. Carl Hendrickson's coming over because he's eligible uh, finally after after this season. Ryder Korzak. I don't know what's going to happen with Evan Veerling. Maybe he's going to get a contract too. We'll see. Evan Veerling is eliminated, uh, so technically nothing is is standing in the Rangers' way of signing him. Uh, they have until June 1st, so three more weeks. If Evan Veerling is not signed, he has to re-enter the draft in uh, in July. Gotcha. <clears throat> Congratulations to Ryder Korzak. And another update on prospects, uh, Jaroslav Khmelars, who the Rangers drafted in the fifth round last summer from the Czech Republic, Played in, in Finland uh, the last couple of years. Played for Jokerits under-20 team. He's coming over to North America. He's okay. joining the Providence Friars and Brett Berard. Oh, sweet. There you go. Build that chemistry, why don't you? Yeah, so uh, interesting. Hugo Olas, the Swedish goalie, made a similar move last year when he came over from Sweden to play for the Merrimack Warriors, I think. Okay. Um. I'm blanking on the on, on Merrimack's team name now, but yeah, uh, Khmelars is joining the Providence Friars. Uh, Brett Barrett expected to play another year in college, so uh, two players on the same team that have great Ranger ties next season. That'll be fun. 
Awesome. Um, and then the final update I have uh, worth calling out, the Flint Firebirds won their first ever playoff series in franchise history uh, two days ago. Uh, Brennan Othman scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 against Owen Sound. Uh, Owen... Man, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on, on team names now. Owen Sound Attack. Um, and tonight they start against the Sioux Greyhounds in Game 1 of Round 2. They have home ice advantage, so they start at home. Awesome. Yeah, no, Othman had a tr- is continuing to have a tremendous year, making, yeah. making all of us Ranger fans very familiar with the former first-round pick. And making a lot of Ranger fans eat crow because nobody liked this pick on, on the day yep. it, was, it was made. Yep, exactly. Yeah. He proved okay. a lot of people wrong. Yeah, and I, I'm very excited to see what he's going to do with the Rangers over these next couple of years because he looks ready, ready to go sooner than I think some people may have originally expected. Um, but okay, that'll do it. Thank you all so much again for listening, where we get your podcasts. This is Rangers review episode 56. I'm Steven. I'm not Steven. I'm Wardy. That's Steven. Uh, and that's going to do it for this one, folks. Thank you all so much. We'll be back after game four of the Rangers penguins first round series, but until then, Steven, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.